0: Real quick, I just want to talk to you about something that the Lord laid on my heart. This isn't the Luke series. We'll get back to that. But this is something that God just kind of spoke to me in my devotional time, and I didn't know when I'd be able to share it, but I want to share it today in Acts chapter 10. This is what's in my heart. I just As we enter into 2021, every year, we need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Every year, we need to be led of the Spirit. But I just really feel like 2021, we need to start this year with just, uh, just calling on God and asking Him to fill us fresh, fill us with His Holy Spirit, empower us. I don't know exactly what our country is going to look like over the next month. If you haven't been following politically, I don't blame you. Um, it's overwhelming. It's frustrating. It's painful. It's painful. But I'm, I'm just telling you, I think there's gonna be some unrest that's gonna hit our country. And dare I say, some of it is even, it's, it's, there's a reason for it. Um, and, and I think it, there's a, a season to, to grieve over some of what we're seeing in our country. And there's also a season to stand. And uh, we're, we're very much in a season to stand. I think that's coming. What that looks like, I don't know. But all I know is in my spirit and in my heart, we need to stay on our knees. If we try to, uh, as a church, accomplish what God's put on our heart and what God wants to do through us, if, if, if we've got to stay focused, and we need the Spirit of God to be leading us and directing us, and He will, but we, we've got to be careful that even politics plays into this, um, our own emotions and what we're feeling and what we're sensing, all of this plays into this, but ultimately, we are believers in Jesus Christ, we are people who put our faith in Jesus and our hope in Jesus, not a political party, not a, not a government. And so we need to be led of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is out in front of us. And we say, the winds of the Holy Spirit blow, and I'll flow with that, right? And, and, and how that fits in with everything that's happening in our country, I don't know. But all I know is we need a fresh, we need a move of God in our hearts, in our lives. And as I was studying Acts chapter 10, I was thinking about this, name, this dude who has a really cool name named Cornelius. I wonder if his, his friends called him Corny. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but Cornelius. Cornelius. And I keep wanting to say Cornelius Hackle, but it wasn't Cornelius Hackle if you've never seen that musical you need to even if you're a guy but here it is Cornelius one of the first let me just let me just give you the let me just give you the the, the guts here even before we get to it one of the first if not maybe one of the very first converts to christianity that were gentiles let me just remind you that most all of us are Gentiles. We do have some Shapiros in our church, so they have some Jewish background. But the rest of us are all are most all Gentiles. And so you just think about what happened in Acts chapter 10. If Acts chapter 10 would have never happened, when would have we ever experienced salvation? But Acts chapter 10 happened. What happened? Don't you want to know? Let's just dive in. Grab your Bibles. Acts chapter 10, verse one, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Interesting thing, just stop for a second. Caesarea, once again, was one of the, the first cities, towns, where there was a Gentile church. In our study of Luke, what do you see? You see a lot of people going to synagogue, and, and, and as you get into the book of Acts, there's churches meeting in people's houses. One of the very first, probably the first Gentile church, like church like people like you and I, was right here in Caesarea, and, and we're seeing the start of it. There was a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. I don't want to get too deep in this, but just know that he had about 100 guys that he oversaw. The idea that he was in the Italian Regiment spoke to maybe he had up to 600 guys. And he would be spending time between here and Rome. Here and Rome. Caesarea's. is, um, I should have brought my maps. Ah. But uh, anyhow, it was a jog over to Rome. So you see how the Lord was setting him up already. Because I already told you, uh, Cornelius gets saved. He gives his life to Christ. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and God set him up to be a missionary, even though he was was a soldier, right? Because he's traveling over to Rome, probably sharing the gospel all the way there, all the way back. It was amazing how the Lord used him. Verse two, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Um, let me just say something. I'm not going to stop at every verse, but I just got to say one more thing. J- jump, jump over to uh, verse 22. I don't know if this will be on the screen, but look at verse 22. The men replied, uh, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. Stop. I just wanted you to see that. Even though Cornelius is a Gentile, interesting, he's respected by the other Jews. By the Excuse me, not the other Jews, by the Jewish people. He's very highly regarded and highly respected. Number three, uh, and let's go all the way to verse eight here. Don't, don't let me stop. Just say, no, keep going. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. Okay, now we're connecting it. Simon Peter, okay. Verse 6, he's staying with Simon the Tanner. Two Simons here. One Simon Peter, and then there's Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants, a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Long story short... Cornelius has a vision And has a vision That he needs to connect With this Simon Peter guy Right And so he sends his, uh, his dudes His guys And says go Now listen That's not where it stops Because now you get to Simon Peter Verse 9 Look at it About noon the following day As they were on their journey And approaching the city Peter went up on the roof To pray Stop He said Oh no no Now we can stop Now we can stop <laughs> Thanks though <laughs> Isn't it interesting that both of these visions happened at a time when both of these guys were what? Praying. I'm telling you, God speaks when we pray. Do you let him? Do you let him? Next week, I've got Pastor Jeremy who's gonna, I've got, we've got Pastor Jeremy who's planning on bringing a message on prayer. The following week, I'm gonna bring a message on prayer. I hope you really tune in because God wants to speak if we let him. If we listen, he'll speak to us. Okay, so uh, verse 10, he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He's having this vision, this trance. So this is Simon Peter now, right? Different guy. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth, birds of the air. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, in my Bible, it's in red. You know what that means? That's Jesus. Verse 14, surely not, Lord, Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Very important. I'll tell you why in a second. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent from Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs, don't hesitate, go with him, for I have sent them. Let's just stop for a second. Um, uh, A couple things I I want us to to think about. The idea for Peter, a Jew, you go all the way back to the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, and there were ceremonial laws that, hey, uh, for God's people, the Jews... Um, they weren't supposed to eat a certain kind of animal. There were certain kind of foods that were off limits. Don't do it. Peter has a vision in this strength. And what is it? God says, no, eat. And what is Peter's response? I would never do that because that's unclean. And then what God says, do not call anything impure that God has made unclean. So because these animals were prohibited by God's law, Peter first was like, no. But Peter had never eaten of any of these things that had been put before him. So what God was basically doing here, there was a bigger thing we'll get to in a second, but God was basically nullifying the Jewish diet laws, and by that, God was preparing Simon Peter to meet, not just eat an unclean animal, but to meet an unclean Gentile. You see, because the Jews at this time, the Jews at this time, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been right to have fellowship with, with a Gentile, with people that weren't Jews. In fact, look look in your Bibles. Look in your Bibles. Peter went down, verse 21, and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, a centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man. We've read this already. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. All Peter invited Peter, a Jew, invited Gentiles to come into his house. You didn't do that. Gentiles to a Jew were unclean. Let's keep reading. The next day Peter started out with them. Some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter said, oh, come on, guys, stand up, Sam, no, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm a mere man myself. Verse 27, talking with him, Peter went inside, found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it is against, Peter explains, Peter explains, you are well aware of the gravity of this situation is what he's saying. He said to them, verse 28, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising, raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? So this is what I want you to get. Peter's vision, it was about more than food. It was about God saying, listen, you've been ministering to the Jews. You've been minister- in fact, you've ministered, you ministered, um, some of the disciples ministered to, in Samaria, right? Right? And, um, and they started getting saved. But even the Samaritans were, I know this is a bad way of saying it, but they were half, half Jew, half, half um, uh, Gentile. So they were a mix. They were a mixed race. So even that, because they had some Jewishness in them, There was this, "Ah, I don't know, okay, well, yeah, the Samaritans were saved. I think they even ended up sending Peter and John, as I remember, to go and pray for them that they might be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there was affirmation of the Samaritans, but up until this point, you see, God was wanting to, to reach all people, right? He's wanting to take the gospel to all lands and everyone to hear the gospel message. And so part of that was going to be what? is going to be taking it to the Gentiles. And so he's expanding Peter's vision here. And I don't know if maybe some of you, you, you've got your heart. Some of you, you have such a burden for your family to be saved. Rightfully so. Don't stop praying for your family. But can I tell you, God wants to expand your vision. And he wants to give you a vision for people beyond just your own family, your neighbors, your friends, other people that that they would, you would have that same heart and passion and desire that they would come to know Christ as well. Okay, so, so um, you see all this, this happening. So Peter says, why did you send for me? Peter's like, you understand, this is already, this is crazy. I mean, in essence, that's what Peter did. This is nuts, that I am even here, that you came to my house, that I invited you in, now I'm in your house. This just doesn't happen. This is a God thing. Tell me what's going on. And so Cornelius then explains, well, this is the vision that I had. Um, goes on to explain, let's jump to verse 33. So I sent for you immediately, and it's good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. What did God command him? Uh, what, what, what did, what did um, Simon Peter then share with them? I'll tell you exactly what he shared it's the gospel message. Look at it. Verse 34, then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. So let's just stop for a second. You guys know about Jesus, and I think the answer probably to, um, to Cornelius and his family, his friends, yeah, yeah, we've heard of this Jesus. In fact, we saw him, and my cousin Shlomo saw him one time do some miracles. It was amazing. We just had, yeah, we had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of we, we heard a little bit. Okay, um, he was anointed, Holy Spirit and power. Do you remember all those miracles he did? Yeah, I heard about this Jesus. He did these miracles. Okay, but it didn't stop there. Look at verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, just imagine you're Cornelius. Just say it. Just think, I'm Cornelius. I'm my family. I'm I'm I didn't hang with Jesus. And now all of a sudden, all the little things I've heard here and there about Jesus and about his ministry and healing and raising people from the dead and all these things, you were there. I mean, I've, I've met some people that were at some pretty historic... I have a brother-in-law, Chad McAtee. He was there in Haiti in 2010 when they had, when they had the earthquake. I mean, that's a, kind of a claim to fame. I don't know. Maybe not. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. Kind of not so cool because he had to, in essence, run for his life to Dominican. And it was a long truck uh, in back of a pickup truck drive over to Dominican Republic to hear the whole story. But he was there. I mean, it's one thing for me to sit here and talk to Josh or, or, Jer- or, or to Jeremy or to Jason or to any of us here. To sit here and talk about, did, did you hear about that earthquake? You know, isn't that something? Yeah, all those buildings collapsed. Why didn't they build them better? Blah, 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 blah. It's a whole other thing to talk to Chad. And say, no, guys, you don't understand. Yeah, the chat and, and the screaming and the sirens and the, all this stuff is just—it was a mad. It's a whole different thing, and that's the experience they're having right now. You traveled with Jesus. You were there when that widow, uh, her only son, had died, and Jesus was like, "Oh, this can't be." His heart broke for them, and and raised them from the dead. You were there at the multiplication, like when when you just had a couple of things of fish and bread, and God, Jesus multiplied. You were there. I know I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here for a second, but I just want you to get, this is where they were at. This was, you've seen this. We are witnesses, verse 39, of everything he did. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. Verse 40, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him will, in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So they're like, we were with him. In fact, we weren't just with him. I want Notice the gospel message. I believe that the gospel, when you receive the gospel and you put your faith in Christ, there is now a purpose that, that you have in your life that is different than any other. But Jesus didn't just come to give you a purpose. Jesus came to set you free from your sins so that there, the chasm between you and God can now be filled through his blood, through his death. And any time, Pastor Scott, I don't know what to say to people that don't know Christ yet. How do I explain to them? What do I? What's the most important thing? Let me tell you what you say to someone who has yet to put their faith in Christ. Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again, and he's alive. That's exactly what they said. And said, so, you know what, he was alive, and he, he, there's no way he could show himself to everybody, but we were with him. I mean, we touched him, we felt, he, he's alive, he is real. And we watched as he, as he went up into heaven. And the Holy Spirit came down on that they 're explaining all this, and somewhere in here in fact i 'm just going to have you jump over to to Luke, uh, excuse me Acts chapter eleven look at Acts chapter eleven verse seventeen now i 'm getting ahead of myself, but there 's a reason so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, talking about what happened in acts chapter two i 'll tell you that in a second who bel- if, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop for a second. Rewind. All the way back to verse one. and the next couple of verses at the beginning of the chapter. What's it say about Cornelius? He was a God-fearing man. He gave offerings. I just tell you, at this point, Cornelius was doing everything he knew, but he had yet to have been touched by Jesus Christ. He, he had yet to been regenerated like you and I. When we get saved, when the, when the disciples were saved, he had yet to be saved as we were known. He was doing the right things, the righteous things. And let me just tell you, for some of you, you're still there. You're like I'm doing the right things. I'm doing righteous things. I, I gave in the Christmas offering, Pastor. What more do you want? I am I'm I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to live right, to to serve right, and to do right. And but it's it, it's 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 not about what you do. It's about what's already been done. It's what's already been done on the cross when Jesus died for your sins. That's where we embrace faith. That's where we put our faith in the cross. And what Jesus Christ did, the fact that he's alive, and because of that, now we are compelled to do good works. But it's not all this good stuff that we do that saves us. And so Cornelius and his household had yet to hear the truth of Jesus Christ regenerating your heart. They had yet to hear that your salvation with God, that your relationship with God isn't about externals. Now it's about internals, about you putting your faith in Christ. And somewhere in here, according to Acts chapter 11 and what we get ready to see here in Acts chapter 10, they got saved. Their faith came alive. Now, let me tell you one more thing that happened. Because in verse 44, this is what it says. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Let me just stop for a second. There were all these people that came with Peter, and they were honestly skeptical. Uh, we're gonna go to a Gentile's house, Cornelius, all his family, his friends. We're gonna minister. This just feels a little awkward. I'm not. used This is outside my comfort zone. But God had called them. He prepared them. That's why the visions is because God got a hold of them and said, that, "Listen, you gotta, you gotta do this." And so they, it says that um, the circumcised believers. These were the Jewish believers. Were like. Astonished. They were astonished on a couple fronts. They couldn't believe these people had experienced salvation. These people put their faith in Jesus, the cross, and the resurrection. They, they were saved. But not only that, up until this point, there was a second work of the Holy Spirit. Most of you you've heard me teach on this before, but let me just say it again. The moment you and I are saved, you know what happens? There's a flame. Oh, I just, I mean, this way I, I, I think of it. There's a flame that comes on in your heart. You're saved. Once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. You are born again. The Holy Spirit came in you, lives in you. Whew, that's awesome. Now, now, but look at the book of Acts. Because in Acts chapter two, chapter one and chapter two, you got all these disciples who Jesus had breathed on, had they regenerated, they were saved. The Holy Spirit had already come in their lives. They were regenerated like you and I. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, Yeah, hold on. I want you to wait here. In fact, I think I've got this in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Look at this. It's on the screen. It will be if it's not there yet. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus' post resurrection. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my my Father's promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It's very important that you understand something here. These are people that were already saved. These are people that had already been regenerated. The Holy Spirit, the flame of the Holy Spirit was alive in their heart. And Jesus is saying, but wait here. Because I'm going up, and I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. I'm going to, I'm going to let it rain, like we sang, sang about a few moments ago. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you, baptize you, come on you, come upon you. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard. You see, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in us, and, and is in us, and we're, we're regenerated, we're saved. But in Acts chapter 2, what happened? The Holy Spirit came on them. In Acts chapter 10, what happened? The Holy Spirit came on on them. In Acts chapter 19, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes on the elders in Ephesus. They were baptized. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. All that to simply say this, friends, You've heard me preach this before, but let me just say it again. There is a definitive second work of the Holy Spirit that God has for you. There is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. It will not make you more or less saved. It's all about Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, not in you, but on you. And I don't know about you, but I want all the power of God I can possibly have. Have you received since you believed? That's what Paul asked. Have you received that since you believe? Well, Scott, I, I come from a church background that doesn't believe in that. Well, Scott, I come from a church background that believes once you're saved, you, you get all the Holy Spirit you need there. I kinda like that one a little better. Well, the challenge is, is as you begin to study the book of Acts, you, you begin to see, once again, you begin to see the, the second work of the Holy Spirit all throughout the book of Acts. You begin to see people who are already regenerated, already saved, the light's on. But once again, the Holy Spirit wanted to come on them. And this is what you see. Well, how do I know? Oh, this is the sticky part. Because almost all of us would say, power of God, I want all the power of God I can have. What, what I get? Uh, Sign me up. I want to see God move in my generation. I want to see God move in my family. I want to see God move in my community. Sign me up. How do I know I've got it? Look at verse 45, the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know? Verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Ooh, now that's a sticky point for a lot of people, but I'm just going to just shoot straight with you here because that's pretty much what I do on Sunday mornings. Um, I know that uh, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues is different for a lot of people, but I just want to tell you it's in the Bible and it's for today. It's in the Bible and it's for you. In fact, it's for every one of us here today. That blessing of that prayer language is for every one of us. In Acts chapter two, verse four, notice something with me. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and what? Began to speak in other tongues. Oh, okay, is there another place though? Okay, how about Acts chapter 10? Oh, we're there. Oh, uh, what happened? Uh, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came on them, what happened? They began, to, oh, they're praising God too. And in Acts chapter two, there's a whole lot of other fireworks. We don't see a pattern of tongues of fire appearing on top of people, do we? Um, There was a sound, sound like a rushing wind. We don't necessarily, but there was that tongues thing. They spoke in tongues. Here in Acts chapter ten, they spoke in tongues. In Acts chapter nineteen, the elders in the in the church of Ephesus, look at it. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in tongues. Well, this time they prophesied too. Yep. In Acts chapter 8, Peter and John laid hands on the men of Samaria that they might receive. And there's no mention of them speaking in tongues. However, we see that there was some kind of something that manifested in Acts chapter 18, or Acts chapter 8. Look at it. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of apostles' hands, when Simon saw that uh, this is a different Simon, not Simon Peter, this is a bad Simon. This is Simon that needed a little more discipleship. Um, But Simon was like, How'd you do that? Because when you laid hands on them, something happened so he knew that they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit come on them. How did he know that? Well, I, it doesn't say they spoke in tongues, but I can't imagine that they, didn't, they probably started taking off speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, prophesying, all that kind of stuff. In Acts chapter nine, Paul received the gift of the Holy Spirit. He, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. There's no indication immediately that he spoke in tongues, but we know in 1 Corinthians he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Mark chapter 16, what does it say? They're going to lay hands on sick, they're going to recover. It says they're going to speak in new tongues. In the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 11, Moses asked that the spirit that was on him would be placed on the 70 elders. And when the spirit came on those 70 elders, you know what they did? They began to prophesy. You see, every time when the Holy Spirit begins to move on someone in the New Testament, it seems like there's some kind of prophetic response. And what we see in the book of Acts, the New Testament which is kind of our pattern as we see throughout the rest of the New Testament is it's not kind of, it is, is that when the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes and moves on, there's that prophetic response of that prayer language. 1 Samuel chapter 10, we see Saul meeting up with some prophets, and when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he prophesied. There was a prophetic response. In Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit first poured out when Peter was giving the message to the people. Well, what should we do? Repent and be baptized. And and once you're you're saved, once you repent and the flames lit, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's your conclusion here, Scott? Listen, um, I just wanna encourage you. As we pray, even today, and as we pray in the month of January, I want to encourage you, don't seek to pray in tongues. Don't seek to, um, uh, God, I, I want that prayer language that Pastor Scott talks about. I'm, I'm like the Apostle Paul. In, in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, let me rephrase this. Um, when the Apostle Paul says, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all, I, I'm, I'm right there with him. I, I'm right there with him for much of his teachings. But I'm no Apostle Paul, hear me. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, in that I, I absolutely believe that one of the blessings to your prayer life and to my prayer life is to be able to pray in the Spirit, be led of the Spirit. You see, when, when I pray in my prayer language that God gave me when I was 13 years old, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, when I pray in my prayer language, the Holy Spirit is interceding through me. I, there's times I don't even know what I'm praying, and I'll just pray in my prayer language, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will show me this is what you're interceding for. It happens all the time. And I just, I, it just brings a whole new dynamic to that. There are times when you are so, over, you don't even know what to pray. You ever been there? And I'm telling you, that's when I pray in the, in the spirit. And I pray in my prayer language. And I realize for some of you, this is just out there. And you're just not, I don't know about, well, don't take my word for it. This is, this is why I want to encourage you. Take the scripture for it. Dive into scripture and just see and I know some of you are like, well, Scott, okay, are you saying that if I don't speak in tongues then I was never baptized in the Holy Spirit? And you're like, listen, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm over that conversation. I'm over that argument. I, all, this is what I know. I know what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says um, that when they were baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, at some point, I, I see it as immediate. They began to speak in other tongues. For some people, I know that it just ha- you get saved and baptized and all- and just all at once. It's just other people have to pray and pray and pray and pray. And there's some of you you've been praying for years. And I don't understand it any more than you do. You've been praying for years. Oh God, would you fill me? Would you baptize me in the Holy Spirit and 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 just pour out you? that's what we're seeking, more of God. We're not seeking tongues, we're not seeking prophecy, we're not seeking any other other thing. We're seeking God, the Holy Spirit, come fill me, control me, empower me to be your servant for you. Do you get what I'm saying here? You, you, you follow me here? That's what we're praying for. As a benefit of that, I'm just telling you though, just hang out long enough with us. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Even some of you are like, oh, I would never pray in tongues ever. Let me just tell you, stick around here long enough. It's gonna happen. You're gonna be right in the middle of worship. Oh God, I just worship you and all of a sudden, it's just gonna come up, just bubble right out of me. You're gonna be in a prayer time. We're gonna be. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It happens all the time. Just receive it. It's in the Bible. It's for you. What do I have to say? Have you received since you believed? Have you, have you ever had this cornelius experience of salvation, first of all? But then beyond that, the, the Holy Spirit coming on you. Coming on you. The Holy Spirit baptizing you. This second work of the Holy Spirit. Separate from salvation. Salvation's first, and then you get this. But have you received that? And if, if not, let me just ask you this. Are you willing to pray and ask the Lord for it? Are you willing to pray? In fact, all through the month of January, will you pray as we start our, our year off? If you've never received this, would you pray every time you come to church, every prayer meeting you come to, would you just pray, Lord, I don't even understand all this, but I want you to fill me, baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Just like Cornelius and all those that were in his house, I want you to come on me, empower me. God, I just so want to be here. I am here. I am. You can have it all. It's that song. It's, God, use me. Would you pray that? Second thing is this: if you if you have had this experience, well, my encouragement to you is to seek God for a fresh refilling. Because here's the deal: we leak like a balloon, you know, slowly, or a tire. That's got. A, I had a tire that didn't even know it, but it had something kind of a shard of steel or something. And it was a slow leak. Pss- we've got to constantly just come to the word come in prayer and let God refill us I mean if you've never received it, or if you have can I just ask you in the month of January the next few weeks would you just say God pour out your spirit fresh on us on me God I want a fresh move in filling of the Holy Spirit like every week when we pray in January will you ask the Lord pour his spirit in your life and let faith rise up in your heart to receive this are you hungry for this? Do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Come on, do you? I I I don't I don't want to I don't want to just have yesterday's fire. I want I want today's fire. John the Baptist, as a worship team comes, John the Baptist. <clears throat> I want us to play that song, the chorus. Here I am, here I am. You can have it all. You can. Have. Um, John the Baptist said this about Jesus, didn't he? He's the one who's gonna come. He's gonna. He's gonna. Um, baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, the Holy Spirit and fire. And I want all of that, bring it on. In fact, I want all the fire of God to come and consume Scott and get me out of the way and, and convict me of my sins. And I'll submit, hopefully, submit of all and just purify my heart, purify my life. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Would you stand with me